there's nothing about singing, there's nothing like singing about Jesus and reminding ourselves of all that he's done and all that he is in our lives and all that he promises for us as his children. Well, last week we began by asking the question, have you ever been ripped off? And we kind of, I'm sure all of us in one way or another have been ripped off in the past. If it's not by a product that claims to be something and falls short of its magnificent claims or the piece of cake that looks delicious and you bite into it and it's not what you were expecting or even the fact that sometimes people present themselves to be this amazing person they have the right moves the right words but yet when the rubber hits the road they're not all what they cracked up to be and we began looking last week about what about our life with Jesus is he going to fail us is he going to come up short the way that sometimes we find people and things and food and you know come up short in our lives and last week we began to look from Ephesians 3 to see the fact that actually God has got so much for us and we're going to continue on that today and my question for us today is not have you ever been ripped off my question for us today is have you ever been blown away by what God has done in your life have you ever been like oh my gosh I cannot believe that he would do that for me and I want to start off by sharing a story that probably happened about five or six well maybe seven years ago and honestly I just cannot believe that God would be so interested in the things of my life that he would do this for me so when Dave and I were getting married I was I went to a jeweler to um to get my engagement ring made because my fingers were really tiny and I wasn't able to buy one off the shelf so I had to get one made anyway whilst we were there I was kind of having a look at the other rings that the jeweler was selling and I came across this ring that was in the shape of a triangle so it actually wasn't circular it was triangular and I loved it it wasn't an engagement ring but I did think it was amazing so then fast forward perhaps about 12 years and over a number of years I'd saved my birthday and my Christmas money and I thought to myself what do you know what I'd really love to get that ring that I saw all those years ago so I rang the jeweler up and I said oh about 12 years ago came into your shop and I saw this triangular ring and I fell in love with it and I'm just wondering do you still have it and he said oh Faye he said that was a one-off that was a one-of-a-kind by a designer from in Denmark I think it was or Sweden and he said I'm really sorry that sold years ago I was like oh that's disappointing I said oh never mind thanks anyway so I decided to start searching on the internet to see if I could find a ring similar to it so I looked for about a week or so and I am quite the researcher however my research came up blank wasn't able to find anything and I thought oh never mind I'll you know I'll leave it and maybe I'll spend my money some other way so anyway, that was how it went. And I had at Christmas time some vouchers for Next from the kids. So one day I decided to pop into Next to buy them some clothes. And as I was at the till, the lady that was serving me, she served me. And as she handed over the bag to me, oh, I forgot to tell you. Yeah, this man said it was sold. It was sold to somebody locally. I said, okay, thanks. So as she handed over the bag to me, I looked down on her hand and there was the triangular ring. And I was like... Oh my 
goodness. So I was a bit excited, but didn't know what to do with myself. So anyway, I, I kind of walked out of the shop and I was like, Dave, I cannot believe it. When I got home, I found the ring. So I thought, right, I'm going to ring Anthony now. Anthony Bingham, he's the jeweler. So I rang him up and I said, Anthony, I found the ring. He said, really? He said, I sold it years ago. I said, I'm telling you, I saw it on a lady's hand. I said, now, if I can ask this lady, if I can maybe take, she could take it into you, would you be able to cast the ring for me so that I can get one? The same, he said, yeah, absolutely fine. He, I said, I haven't got a lot of money, though. So I made, and he said, well, you can either buy the diamond off me or if you want to find a diamond for yourself, because, of course, you'd find diamonds all the time, don't you? He said, you can do that. I said, leave it with me. Let me chat with the lady first and then I'll make a plan. So a few days later, I decided to pluck up the courage to go into Next. And I was going to have a conversation with this lady that I'd never met before because I saw a ring on her finger. So I went in and she wasn't there. And they said, come back in a few days. She's going to be on such and such shift. So anyway, I went back a few days later and she was there and I went up to her and I went, hi. And she said, hi. I said, well, you served me the other day. And I said, I saw that you had a triangular ring on your finger. And I said, I have been hunting for that ring and fell in love with it nearly like 13, 14 years ago. Can I ask, did you buy it from Anthony Bingham? And she said, yes, I did. I said, I knew it was it. I said, right. I said, I've been saving some money and I would love to have a replica of this ring made. I said, is there any chance that you wouldn't mind maybe popping the ring down to Anthony at some time just so he could take a cast of it so that I could get one made? She said, of course I'll do that. She said, well, no, actually, tell you what, I won't pop to Anthony. Let's meet at Lanaravan shops in a few days' time and I'll hand the ring over to you then. I was like, oh, okay, no problem. So anyway, that was that. So I was like, right. So now I know I'm going to get the ring. I've got to find a diamond. So where do you go hunting for diamonds? eBay. That's where I went looking for a diamond. I went to eBay. So I was like, right, I don't know whether I should be on eBay, but I'm on eBay looking for a diamond. So I typed in what I needed and my jeweler had told me what I needed. So I typed in and anyway, I found this diamond come up on eBay and this guy had put in the description, his mum had bought diamonds, too many diamonds for a piece of jewelry. Of course that happens all the time, doesn't it? Anyway, they were selling this one diamond. It was a certain size, a certain clarity. So I messaged him and I said, oh, I'm looking for a diamond and this fits the bill. However, beans that it's on eBay, I'm not quite sure if what you're selling is all that it's cracked up to be. Is there any chance if I buy the diamond, can I take it to my jeweler? And if my jeweler says that it is what, you know, that you have provided me with what it is, then fantastic. If not, well, can I have a refund? And he said, yes. So I thought, brilliant. Okay. I've got it all in my messages. We're fine. So I bought the ring, uh, the diamond, sorry. And I took it to Anthony. And um, I was so, so excited. And he said to me, Faye, he said, this diamond, he said, it's nothing like the diamond that's been described. I was like, oh. I've been ripped off. He said, no. He said, it's far better. The quality is far better. Everything is far better than what you've been sold. He said, in fact, it's probably worth four times the amount of money that you bought it for. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. So I was so excited. So anyway, I had the diamond and I was meeting this lady in Lanaravan shops. So pulled up. I thought, I'll take my kid, the kids with me just to, because I don't know, they can help me. They protect me or whatever against this person. So I took the kids in the car with me and she jumped in the car when she got there and she's like hi and I'm like hi and she said oh here's the ring and I was like and all of a sudden I was like oh my gosh I could be a scammer here for all she knew so I was like um 
I haven't got any money, but do you want like my wedding ring as a deposit or something on this? And she's like, no, no. She said, I completely trust you. She said, isn't it the weirdest thing? She said, my husband said to me, I cannot believe that you were going to meet a complete stranger to hand over a ring to her. You've never met her before. And he said, I cannot believe you doing it. And she said, I just know I can trust her. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. Well, I said, I'll give it to Anthony and I'll make sure I get it back to you as soon as he finished doing the cast. So anyway, I took it to Anthony and he was able to um, get the ring cast for me and I am now wearing it now and I have my triangular ring. But at, at the time and even now, I was just like, God, I can't believe that you would be that interested in me having a ring. And it wasn't something that I was overly bothered about. I really wanted it, but it wasn't something I prayed for. I didn't say, oh God, please could you help find this ring? Da, da, da. I didn't do any of that. I was just like, it would have been lovely, but no problem, just move on. And it got me because I was like, God, you were that interested in me that you arranged for me to find the lady that had bought this ring, who then handed me over her ring, and now I have that ring. And you know when you get overwhelmed by the goodness of God in your life and his love and his care for you? And for me, I was just left thinking, Jesus, it's too much. You take my breath away, the care that you have for me. And God wants to show us as his children the care that he has for us in everyday life, the care that he has for us in the way that we live our lives. He wants to demonstrate to us every day that we are the apple of his eye. We looked last week and we saw that the Bible said that if, if earthly parents know how to give their kids good things, how much more is our heavenly father who is perfect going to give us good gifts? So today we're going to continue looking at the gifts that God gives to us as his children because these gifts that as we discovered last week they're immense they're mind-blowing the bible talks about us having riches about there being promises of blessing about endless treasure and they are available to you and I because we love Jesus and we looked last week didn't we at the fact that we can expect to receive everything that God says that we can have based on the fact that he calls us his children. When we asked Jesus into our lives, he adopted us into his family as his children. And therefore, everything that God has, has been given to us as an inheritance. These precious promises that he has for our lives are immense. They're glorious. And God says, I don't want any of you to miss out. I don't want any of you to live below what he God has promised for us. And we talked about the fact that we're to be treasure hunters, seeking that treasure which we can find in the word of God. And we also talked about the fact that God, when we asked Jesus into our lives, God gave us a gift because he knew we would need this gift to help us live out that life. And the gift that God gave us was the person of the Holy Spirit. And when we asked Jesus into our lives. It is the Holy Spirit that came to live in us as well. And he is the one that enables us to live everything and receive everything that God has for us. He's the one that enlightens us. He's the one that gives us wisdom
wisdom and revelation to be able to read the word of God and see it and say, God, how does that relate to me? How can I live that? How can I experience that? Well, it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the wisdom and the revelation to be able to comprehend and live out and receive all of the promises of God for our lives. And it says, we looked at, it says this, the Holy Spirit is power. This power that the Holy Spirit has been given to us, it's the same power that caused Jesus to do the miracles that he did when he walked this earth. It's the same power, the same Holy Spirit that brooded over the earth during creation. It's the same power that caused Mary to conceive Jesus in her womb when she said, be it done to me according to your will and the Holy Spirit. It was that power of the Holy Spirit that caused her to conceive Jesus. And it's that same power that Jesus has given to us because he wants us to receive everything that God has for us because we're his children and he wants us to, he wants to lavish us with his promises and his blessing. So today we're going to continue to see what God has prepared for us as his children and see how amazing this inheritance that we've been given in Jesus really is. So I want us to continue looking in Ephesians 3 today. And we're going to begin in verse 16. Before we do that, though, I gave a bit of background about Ephesians last week. And I want to just tell you a little bit more about the church in Ephesus that Paul is writing to here. Okay, so what we're going to read in a few moments time is not focused at new Christians. This church was an established church. It was probably about 10 years old or so. And Paul actually established it on his second missionary trip. And we can read that in the book of Acts. We can read about this missionary trip that he went on. He established the church in Ephesus. And when he was there, he spent about a year with them before he continued on his travels. A number of years later, he came back to that church and he spent another two to three years with them, teaching them and encouraging them. And so it's nearly 10 years on that Paul writes this letter. So we need to understand that as we're reading this, Paul is not writing to a church of baby Christians who are trying to understand what this life that they're about to walk into. No, we need to understand that Paul is writing to what you could say mature Christians. They've had, they've spent plenty of time with him. They've been taught well in the word. And we're going to pick up in verse 16 now to say what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And it says this, it says, I pray that from his glorious and limited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And we covered those two scriptures last week when I spoke. And then he continues to go on and he says this, your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete 
with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. When I read that a number of weeks ago, for an, um, just as I was reading my Bible, my, I was like, caught my breath. I was like almost overwhelmed by what I was reading here because Paul kind of just doesn't say um, something once, but it's almost like he understands that sometimes we get a bit distracted. You know, sometimes we read something and then we go on to, oh, well, what's the next new thing? What's the next new thing? And Paul's almost like bringing the attention of the church and say, I don't want you to miss this. So I'm going to tell you something and then I'm going to let you pause. And then I'm going to tell you a bit more about this same something. And I'm going to let you pause and take it in. And then I'm going to tell you even more about this. Because God doesn't want us to miss the point in what is being spoken here. What is being spoken here is so important that Paul wants each of us to understand. And not kind of say, okay, well, what's next? But each of us to understand and say, oh my, I'm going to camp around this. And I'm going to digest this. And I want to experience this in my life. So this is what we're going to be begin to look at. And the first thing I want us to draw our attention to is the fact that Paul begins by talking about roots. Now, why would Paul talk about roots? Because I'm not a plant and I'm not a tree. I'm a person. So why is he talking about roots in this passage? Why are they important to us? Well, I believe Paul is beginning to talk to us about roots because he wants us to realize that our spiritual lives do have roots. Our lives do have roots and he wants us to begin to think about what those roots look like. Now, Concerning roots, I've got some observations for you. They're not, they're not mind-blowing, but let me tell you the things that I've discovered about roots. Roots are not beautiful. They're functional, aren't they? They're not attractive. They're designed to, um, to be hidden from the view of others. And the way that they form and spread determines, determines the future growth, health, and nourishment of the plant or tree. So Paul says here that our lives, our spiritual lives are to have roots. And if we want our root system to cause us to be strong and healthy, we need to begin to ask some questions. And I think the first question that he wants us to look at concerning our spiritual lives is, how big are my roots? How big are my spiritual roots? Because the bigger and the healthier the roots, the bigger and the healthier the tree. Healthy roots, healthy plant. And he wants us to begin to think about the fact that actually our spiritual life needs roots somewhere. Our spiritual lives needs to be rooted into something. And the second thing I think he wants us to become aware of is to ask, well, if my life has got roots, what soil am I rooting my life into? 
Because the thing is, there's lots of soil out there and not every soil is going to be good for the tree. Not every soil is going to provide it the growth and the nourishment that it needs to be strong and healthy. So Paul is getting us to ask these questions about our spiritual lives. Did you even know that you had roots spiritually? And if not, then the question is, what do these roots look like? And how can I make sure my roots are strong as I move forward? And not only how can I make sure my roots are strong and that they go deep into the word, because that's what the Bible says. He says, your roots will grow down. Not only are they to grow deep and grow lengthways so that it can provide strength, but also what soil are my roots tapping into and receiving nourishment from? So Paul is just getting us to ask these questions about our lives. You know, in this same verse in the New King James, Paul doesn't just talk about roots. He also talks about being grounded. He says that we be rooted and grounded. Now, one minute Paul's talking about plants and trees, and the next minute he's using an architectural term. And when he's talking here about grounded, he's actually saying, what are are our foundations like? Now, it is possible to build a house without a foundation, and they do happen. But here's the thing. If you want a house that's going to go the distance over time, you need to build that house on a foundation, Because what can happen, you can build it just on the ground, but what can happen is that when the storms come in and pressure begins to come from the side, it begins to cause that um, that building to creak and all of a sudden you can see some lines appearing, some cracks and some breaks and give it time and that building isn't going to have the strength in it it that it did when we began to build it. The other thing about building without a foundation is the fact that over time, seasons change. And when seasons change, the soil changes as it begins to expand and contract. And as it expands and contracts, if our lives aren't built on a foundation, what happens with that expansion of that soil? All of a sudden we find, again, cracks begin to appear. The building isn't secure like it had been or like it would have been if it had been built on a strong foundation. And we're familiar, aren't we, in the Bible, in the New Testament that Jesus actually says, don't build your life on the sand, but build your life on the rock, which is a firm foundation and it doesn't, it's not unstable. So Paul here is beginning to ask us and cause us to think about the importance of our spiritual roots. So if we need strong roots and we need healthy soil and we need a foundation, what as Christians are we to place our roots into the soil of our lives? On what foundation are we to build our lives? Well, I love that Paul doesn't lead us around the bushes concerning that. He just comes straight to it. And he says that our lives are to grow down into God's love. As Christians, our lives are to go into God's love. And do you notice here that Paul doesn't list a load of things? 
Paul doesn't say for our roots to go down into love and then something else and then something else and then something else in order for us to be strong. No, Paul says that our lives are to just be founded in God's love, his love and his love alone. We don't need to look to the person next to us and he doesn't say, check out the Christian that's kind of been saved about 20 years and follow them. He says, no, I don't want your roots looking at people to the left or to the right. I don't want you going after anything. I just want you to root yourself into my love. All we need is love. The Beatles must have been reading Ephesians when they wrote the song, hey? But God is saying, all we need is love. And remember, he's not talking here to baby Christians. He's talking to established Christians, and he's bringing us back to the fact our lives need to be rooted in God's love and in God's love alone. Don't add any other bits to it. Just keep it to God's love and God's love alone. That is God's big idea for you and I. So what's so great about God's love? Paul says that our lives are to be built on his love and his love alone. So what is so great about the love of God that we can't be tapping our roots into different places and different soil? Well, for us to fully understand that, I suppose we need to understand what that word love means. Now, in our language, the English language, we really only have one word for love love. But in the Greek language, there's many different words for love. There's eros love, which is romantic love. There's philia love, which is friendship love. But in this passage, those two Greek words are not used to describe God's love towards us. There's another word in the Greek language, and that is agape love. And agape love is unconditional love. And that is the word that Paul writes of here, of God's love. So when he says that our lives are to be rooted and grounded, he's saying our lives are to be rooted and grounded in God's unconditional love. Take time to pause and think about that. Unconditional love. Nothing we can do or nothing we can say can erase that love. We don't have to earn that love. It's unconditional. And sometimes that can be a bit tricky for us, can't it? Because a lot of times in our lives, through the people in the relationship we have, sometimes we don't always receive that unconditional love. And we perhaps sometimes don't give that unconditional love either. So it can be very difficult for us to understand um, when God says this, but God wants us to understand that it's his unconditional love that we are to plant our lives into. And the thing is with this unconditional love is it's not something that God does. It's who he is. 
The Bible says that God is love. That's what 1 John 4, 16 says. God is love. And all who live in love live in God. And God lives in him. So you see, God is actually the source of the agape love. He just doesn't provide or live out agape love. He is the source of this love. And it's undeserved. It's sacrificial it's perfect, it's complete. And he says that love is what he wants us to ground our lives in. It's strong, it's unbreakable, it's everlasting, it's formidable. It's not given based on performance. It doesn't blow hot and cold with us. It doesn't compare one against another. It never rejects us. It never hurts us. It never tries to manipulate us. His love never will try to control us. And his love is never inconsistent. This is perfect, unconditional love. And God says he wants each one of us to experience it and for it to be the thing from which we plant and place our roots of our life into. I remember a number of years ago, I was coming out from the, um, the, the church and I was waiting at the traffic lights and um, I was just waiting and all of a sudden it like bowled me over and I just remember thinking oh my gosh every day I wake up knowing that I am loved unconditionally and I can't describe it to you but Every day, like, I just remember thinking, I wake up like that every day. I never wake up since the day that I asked Jesus into my life. I've never woken up thinking, is he going to walk away from me today? Is he going to find somebody better than me today? Is he going to get fed up of me today? I've never woken up like that. The bedrock of my life, honestly, it's just like this know that you know that you know. And it was almost like the Holy Spirit was just kind of revealing it to me again to say, Faye, like every day you wake up. And I do. Every day I wake up so secure. I don't ever start my day insecure because it's like I know that I'm grounded in his unconditional love and I know that he is there and he wants for every single one of us to wake up like that every day because it alters the way we think. When we're grounded in that unconditional love of God, when we know that we know, not just head know, heart know, when we know we've experienced that unconditional love, it changes the way we view ourselves. It changes the way that we view others. It changes the way that we treat others because we've received so much from God that it changes. And yes, sometimes people let us down and sometimes people hurt and all of that still goes on, but it doesn't change the foundation and the bedrock of the fact that I am loved unconditionally by God and you are loved unconditionally by God too. And this morning, I just want to look at a few things that we can expect because of this love of God, this unconditional love of God, because it helps us to live our lives the way that God wants us to live our lives. First of all, I want to say his love is perfect. 
1 John 4.18 says this, Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. If you feel fearful today, feel, feel fearful today, and that fear is based on the, the, what's happened to you in the past, how people have hurt you, abused you, let you down. And I want to encourage you concerning your spiritual walk with Jesus that you don't need to be fearful. He's not going to do that to you. And this is what 1 John says. His love is perfect. And because of that, perfect love casts out all fear. So you know when you feel fearful, just say, no, speak to yourself and say, Jesus, thank you. Your word says that perfect love casts all fear. And today I want my life to be rooted in your love. Let me experience that love because God's love is perfect and you don't have to be fearful with God's love. The other thing I want to say as well is that his love won't leave us. It doesn't matter whether we're having a, a great week or a bad week, whether we're having a great year or an awful decade, his love will never leave us. Romans 8 says this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day and we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither fear, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God who is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And because of that, we can wake up every day confident in the knowledge that God's love is there for us. He loves us unconditionally and he wants us to experience it. He wants us to feel it because God doesn't want it just to be in our heads. He wants us to be able to experience what it is living in his love every day, every minute, every hour of the day, not reserved for such appointments, right? You can have experienced my love 10 o'clock on Thursday. Come then, that's when you'll get it. No, this love is for all day, 24-7, 365. This love is, will never be separated from us. I also want to let you know that God's love is faithful. The faithful love in Lamentations 3 says this, the faithful love of the Lord never see ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. His love is faithful. He'll never leave you. He'll never abandon you. He won't leave you wandering, looking for his love. He says, no, my love is there. My love is there every morning and he's faithful with it. 
And also his love gives us strength. His love gives us strength in the good days and in the bad days. Because the thing is, life happens, doesn't it? Storms happen. Pain happens. Unexpected things happen. And we can be left, um, you know, wondering what's going on. But have you ever watched in a storm? And we've had a number of them recently, haven't we? Especially just before Christmas. Have you ever watched in a storm when you see a tree with a great root system? That storm comes blowing and it buffets and it absolutely breaks against that tree. But that tree that has a strong, deep root system, it remains. Yes, leaves may go flying off the tree. Yes, branches may break and twigs may fall. But actually, that's all that happens. That tree remains strong because it's rooted, it's grounded. And for us as Christians, God wants to give us strength. His love gives us strength for every day, in every situation, whether it's good or bad, his love will cause us to grow and flourish. We just have to decide to allow our roots to go down deep into the love of God and allow him to be able to give us that strength that we need to go for each day. You see, the thing is about the love of God, it's not just enough, is it? It's more than enough. And as Christians, everything that we have need of, Paul says, is found in God's love, the spiritual um, reservoir that he has for us is all sourced in God's love. And so therefore, as Christians, we've got to dig deep into it. We've got to really allow God's love to, um, to permeate every aspect of our lives and allow him to show us, to demonstrate his love for us. He did it on the tree, didn't he? When he died and gave his life, he demonstrated his love for us by laying down his life so that we could find life. And beyond his sacrifice on Calvary, he says, each day you can experience his love. Each day he wants us to know more and more about the love that he has for us. 1 Corinthians 13 says this about love. Love never gives up. Never, love never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This is God's love for us. So as we root and ground ourselves in God's love, what can we expect? What's the, what's the result of us um, allowing our roots to go deep into his love? Well, Ephesians 3.19 says this, Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. As we allow our spiritual roots to go down deep into God's love, we become complete. We become complete with all of the life and power that comes from God. Imagine that power that comes from God, the life that comes from God. That's what we get to receive. That's what we get to um, receive for our lives. I want to also talk to you about the fact that his love is too great for us to understand. Do you notice as we were reading 
here. Paul doesn't say, let your roots go down into his love. No, he, he keeps on saying it. Paul wants us to understand just how big God's love is for us. He says, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep God's love is. May you experience the love of Christ through it is too great to fully understand. God's love is too immense for us. It's immeasurable. And Paul wants us to understand just how extravagant God is with his love. He doesn't say, right, you've got five tokens of love. Use them wisely because once they're gone, they're gone. No, his love is as vast as the ocean. It just keeps on and keeps on and keeps on. His love just wants to keep on. And he wants us to experience that extravagance. There's no limits. There's no borders with his love. There's no confinement. Paul says, no, child of God, established Christian, please understand concerning God's love is it's lavish. It will overwhelm you. It will take your breath away. He wants you to experience it fully. He wants it to permeate every area of our lives. And his love will cause us to be strong as we allow that to happen. You know, when we allow God's love, that immeasurable too high, too wide, too deep, too long love. Love that Paul says is too hard for us to understand. As we allow that love to permeate our lives, it really does change us from the inside out. It changes the way that we think about ourselves. It changes the way that we act. It changes the way that we think. And it changes the way that we act towards others and treat others, doesn't it? It changes us from the inside out. And like we said last week, to experience this love of God, it's got nothing to do with what we bring to the table. It does nothing to do with it. It's not based on our performance. But like I said earlier, Jesus, we accepted Jesus into our lives and then God gave us the Holy Spirit. We are able to experience the love of God in our lives, not by us jumping through hoops, but by us allowing the Holy Spirit to show us, to enlighten us, for him to allow us to experience it. The Holy Spirit wants to lead and to guide us. He wants to direct us. He wants to show us. And we've just got to follow his leading. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. Remember last week it said, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. And then in verse 18, it says, and may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. We can only have the power to understand, not through our own understanding, but through the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding. The Holy Spirit, we must rely on him every single day of our lives. Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, help me experience this. Holy Spirit, lead me today. Holy Spirit, I want to experience depth of love that I've never experienced before. Holy Spirit, I want to experience the height of God's love that I've never experienced before. And that's what Paul's saying. This love is just so big. 
big. It's so vast. And he says, don't confine his love. Don't confine God's love for you like you do the way that we treat one another. He says, no, don't have limitations. Don't think this is God's love and you've got it all sussed. No, we'll never understand it. It's too wonderful for us to understand. But we just keep on experiencing. We just get to get to live it. We get to experience God's love for us each and every day and allow it to wash over us. And Paul says concerning our lives, it should be God's love and God's love alone. Our roots are to go into his love and nothing else. Why does he say that? He says that because we're great at trying to find other sources. That's why we're great at getting distracted. The Bible likens us to sheep. And he says we're like sheep that go astray. You only have to read the Bible to see that God's chosen people spent the whole Old Testament just wandering away and doing whatever was right in their own eyes. They kept the course for a bit. Then they just started wandering. Oh, let me try this then. And it doesn't change when we get to the New Testament. It's not like the Christians have got their lives sorted out then and we're just going to follow Jesus and do what he says. No, Paul's still having to say, hey, come back. Hey, come back. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted here. And Paul is speaking to established Christians and saying, focus on God's love. You see, in the New Testament, Paul had to write to the church in Galatians because they'd allow their roots to go stray from the soil of God's love and head into works, and head into customs, and head into legalism. They had they'd strayed from God's perfect love for them, and they'd allowed their roots to start tapping into other soils. And that's really dangerous, because a tree can only produce from the nourishment it receives from the soil. So we don't want our lives, and Paul didn't want the church in Galatians, their lives to be tapping in to an inferior soil that's going to completely affect the way in which they love God and the way in which they love others. He had to speak to the church in Galatians and say, stop it. Stop getting into work. Stop getting into all these customs. Stop being legalistic about your faith. No, come back to God's love. To the church in Corinthians, he had to do the same different situation there. They had all these spiritual gifts and in the church in Corinthians, they were beginning to judge each other based on the gift. They were beginning to say, well, I'm more spiritual because I can do this and you're not quite as spiritual as me because you can't, you haven't got that gift of the spirit. They began to judge one another based on the gifts that God had given to them. And Paul had to say, hang on, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are you allowing your so the soil to, for your roots to go in? Why are you allowing it to become contaminated with these kind of things? Corinthians 13, that's why he writes this in Corinthians 13 when he says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but I didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. 
the soil that the church in Corinthians had allowed their roots to tap into was impacting every aspect of their lives. Problems were starting because they were moving away from what God's best was, which was to tap into God's love and God's love alone. And also, what we see here through the New Testament When you think, Paul's written to the Ephesians, we've read it, he's talked about the love of God and he keeps on describing it, it's it's beyond understanding, it's too high, wide, deep, long, he explains all of that. You'd think then that the church of Ephesus would be really strong in it, wouldn't you? You'd think if you had received encouragement from Paul and a reminder from Paul about how our lives are to be rooted, you'd think that when we were to look at the church in Ephesus over the following years and decades, you'd think we'd see a strong church that are living out God's love the way that Paul has described it. But the thing is, like I said, we often go our own way. And the sad thing here is, 35 years later, even though Paul had written to them, 35 years later, in the book of Revelation, John has to write to the church in Ephesus. And this is what John says. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not, and you've discovered them are liars, or you've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this one complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you first did. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did it first. You see this thing, it's not beyond any of us to move away. But God wants us to understand that God's love is all that we need. And he doesn't want our roots to tap elsewhere. He doesn't want our roots to end up in other locations. We can have it all together. The church in Ephesus did. They were doing great things. They were, you know, it says they they were working hard. They had patient endurance. They were not tolerating evil people. On the outside of it, they seemed to have so much. And they seemed to be so Christian. Yet the thing is, God doesn't deal with the externals, does he? God looks straight at the heart. He's able to go to the hidden root system. And he's able to go to the places which are covered in darkness that nobody else can see. And he's able to accurately assess where we're at. And he says, please don't ever move away or ever move outside of God's love. Just keep planted in that. Keep immersing yourself in God's love because that is all that matters. That is all that counts. God's love. Why would God be so passionate about us understanding as Christians that our lives are to be rooted and grounded in his love? Why would he really want that to be the big emphasis? Well, here's the thing. We can only love others 
based on what we've experienced ourselves, can't we? We can only demonstrate God's love to other people based on how we've experienced his love for ourselves. You see, God's love towards us is not only nourishing for our lives, it's not only enriching for our lives, it not only causes us to become strong and to grow and to be healthy trees, but our lives also bear fruit. And that fruit's to nourish one another person. That fruit's to make a difference in somebody else's life. And he doesn't want spoiled fruit ending on our tree. He says, no, let the, your, the love of God be the thing that nourishes us so that you've got healthy fruit to produce. You've got healthy fruit that God can use in your lives. We know Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And the first thing there is love, isn't it? The fruit of the Spirit is love. If we tap into God's love, we will enable our lives to flourish and the fruit of our lives will be magnificent and all of those things will happen. All of those things will happen. Corinthians says this, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And the outflow of God's life in us is the outflow that we're to demonstrate to the world because God gave us a new command. Jesus gave us a new command, didn't he? In John 13, he said, so now I am giving you a new command. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We're here on this earth to be ambassadors. We're here to represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if we don't have our roots tapped into God's love, how are we to demonstrate God's love to a hurt and broken world? How are we to demonstrate the, the unconditional love of God if we haven't received us for us ourselves? So God wants us to tap into it so that we can give it out. We can give out the love of God. We can demonstrate. The Bible says we diffuse the fragrance of Jesus wherever we go. God is love. His fragrance of love should be the thing that permeates everything. His love should be the thing that changes the way that we interact with one another. It's the way we treat one another. It's the way we love one another. It's the way we love ourselves. His love is it permeates everything. It changes our outlook. It changes our view. And we begin to see things the way God intended us to see them. There's a story of Corey Ten Boom. Corrie ten Boone lived in Holland during World War II and her family and, um, used to hide Jews in a secret room in their house and one day they were discovered and so the family was taken to Ravensbrück concentration camp where they would, you know, the plan was for them to end their days there. That's what the, the Nazis wanted to happen. And sadly, for Corey Tamboon, her sister Betsy actually passed away in Ravensbrook. She wasn't able to um, sustain her life in those awful conditions. 
Anyway, Corey, when they were liberated, Corey was talking in a church service and she was talking about the love of God. And she was talking about the fact she'd received so much love from God. And at the end of the service, she talked about the fact that she'd been in Ravensbrook and how she'd got through that and how God had strengthened her and helped them at that time. And at the end of the service, um, she recognized a man walking up to her. And he was a guard from Ravensbrook. And he was a really nasty man. And he'd done awful things to the women that were there in that concentration camp. And she saw him walk up to her and she knew that he didn't recognize her, but she recognized him. And he came up to her at the end of the message and he said, you mentioned in your message today that you had been at Ravensbrook. And he said, I was actually a guard at Ravensbrook during World War II. And he said, I've since come to know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. And I know that he's forgiven me of all the wrong things that I've done. He said, but my question to you today, Corey, is can you forgive me? Can you forgive me for what you've done? And Corey Tambu said that in that moment, she looked at him and she thought, I cannot love you. I cannot love you. I can see my sister in my head. I can see the atrocities that happened. How can I love you? I feel no love towards you. But then she was reminded of the fact that every day she got to receive the unconditional love of God for her life. She got to receive the forgiveness of God for her life. She got to receive everything she needed through the love of God for her life. And she said, Holy Spirit, I can't love him, but will you give me the power to love him the way that you love him? And she said that she lifted her hand to him and said, I can forgive you. It had nothing to do with the way she felt in that moment, but it had everything to do with the fact that the power of the Holy Spirit was able to work and operate in her life to love a man the way that he loved him, to love a man through God's love. Sometimes God's love doesn't make sense. Sometimes we want God's love to be hot and cold for other people, but the reality is it, it never will because it never is for us. His love is never hot and cold with us and therefore he keeps on extending his love to others even when they hurt us, even when they let us down, even when they abandon us, even when they walk away from us, even when we feel, why have you left me? God's love will keep on reaching them. And that is the outflow of God's love in our lives. That is why we're to root and ground ourselves in love because he will enable us to do things that we never imagined. He'll enable us to love others like we never imagined. He'll enable us to be like a beacon on a hill pointing the way to say, come and see my Jesus. Look how he's changed my life. Look how he's made me strong. Look how he's given me strong roots. Look how I've grown and flourished. It's nothing to do with me, but it's all because of his love that I've allowed to nourish me. And he wants to do the same with you. And at the end of Ephesians 3, verse 20 says this, 
Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely infinitely more than we might ask or think. God's love will enable us to accomplish infinitely more than we will ask or think because the power of the Holy Spirit will make it alive and living in our lives. So Jesus, today we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your immeasurable love towards us. And Lord, we thank you that you take us back to grassroots to show us that our lives, our spiritual lives do have roots. And those roots are important to be strong and deep. And the soil on which we ground our lives is to be the soil of your love. Lord, help us today to dive into everything that you have for us. Help us to experience that love through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to be able to live out that love to others as you've given it so freely to us. Lord, we pray that you would use us. Lord, you would, you would show us people that we can love in so many ways that you will direct our footsteps. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.